All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Rigos Rag Pod. Ian Cummings here uh, with Nathan Britton. He's back, and Jacob Kamaker. He's also back. A little less exciting because he's been back before. But um, yeah, it's the OG crew. We're back again, and uh, we're here with another podcast episode. Last time, I think it was with Ken. Roster predictions. Yeah, roster predictions. So if you want to look that up, see what we thought about, you know, how the roster might shake out. It's still pretty early, but uh, we, we gave our projections. We each did our own articles. So you want to check that out. The articles are on the site. The podcast is on the site. Uh, today, a little something different for you. We're going to do some under the radar storylines. Uh, some of them aren't quite under the radar, but some current events too. We're going to dish on that. We're just going to kind of keep you guys in the loop what we've been doing all off season. We're going to do it again today. A quick note, the supplemental draft, we provided you with some coverage there this week, and uh, the Redskins did not draft anyone. They didn't sign any free agents afterwards, so that's in the rearview mirror. Uh, We can forget about that. It's time to look forward, and we got a lot of things to look forward to, and we're going to talk about some of those. But first off, Nathan, it's been a while, man. How you doing? Doing good. How you guys doing? It's good to be back on. I, I missed it. Yeah, dude, I don't blame you, man. It's a, it's a, it's a fun time for sure. And we've been trying to keep a regular schedule, but uh, even in the summer, it, it can get pretty busy. So I don't know, Jacob. Oh, I'm living large, man. I'm doing great. Glad to have Nathan back on. Let's have some fun today. I haven't talked to you. I see you're, uh, you're up at NBC Boston, or what is it? Yeah, I'm at NBC Sports Boston. That's awesome, man. Congrats. That's a cute. That's a great gig. Thank you. I appreciate it. Having a lot of fun there. Uh, so that's awesome getting to cover my hometown team so having a lot of fun but i'm also still a redskins writer by night so <laughs> covering two major cities here living as large as taco fall over there not quite Ooh, i don't know if i can ever live as large as taco man that's <laughs> something to watch definitely something to watch okay we'll, we'll hold you to that so that's your goal all right um we'll get right into it um we got some storylines on deck to talk about i feel like it's most appropriate to talk about the current events first and nathan you've got something that you saw uh, on twitter it's actually been going around making its rounds pretty quickly and getting some people fired up so you want to talk about uh, this whole trent williams thing apparently there's a new wrinkle in the mix yeah so everybody knows the same old trent williams isn't there he's not happy whether it's the medical how he was taken care of by the medical staff with that growth on his head or whether it's contract or a mixture of both but last night uh 106.7 the fan chris russell he made it known that it's not a report, he's not reporting it, but his belief, I guess we could call it, is that he thinks some of Trent Williams' hard feelings towards Redskins started last year when they took Jerron Christian as early as the third round. He kind of thinks maybe he looked at it and sees the writing on the wall of, you know, I'm older, uh, my contract's expensive, they can get out of me next year, which would be the 2020 season, uh, for, I believe, $2 million or just slightly above that in dead money. They draft this young guy as high as three. You know, and just thinks that that kind of disrespect and lack of security might be kind of looming and sees it coming. So a lot of people kind of got upset with him about it. And a lot of people said that, you know, this is fake news, started spouting off about how he personal, you know, uneducated kind of just spouts off and rants or whatever. I feel kind of the same. I don't think Trent Williams is necessarily going to sit here and, and hold out over that. I think that one line I saw somebody say is that lions don't concern themselves with sheep or whatever. And I think that's kind of true. Trent Williams knows who he is. He knows his value. He knows what he can do when he's on the field. And I think that it's common sense to realize that the Redskins know that too. They're not going to just get out of his contract simply because they can. They know what the difference of having him on the field and not having him on the team is going to be. And especially with the rookie quarterback, I think that 
maybe that's that's something that we could look at. Maybe it's one of those things in the back pocket that if Trent Williams was given a little bit of truth serum, that would get on the board is like a, one of the smaller percentage reasons why, but I don't think it's enough to spark what's going on. Yeah, yeah, and I would tend to agree. Kind of just came out of the blue, uh, but uh, it doesn't really make sense on the surface. Oh, listen, I mean, if, it, if it's what he feels or something and he's not reporting it as actual news, it, it's fine to have your own opinions on things, but um, I don't think that Williams would be, you know, I don't think the pick of Jerron Christian would sow the seeds of unrest for Williams, mainly because if you look at the Redskins roster, Williams was still under contract, and yeah, they drafted a tackle, but that was because Ty Insecki's contract was up after this past season, and they knew they couldn't afford to pay him, Williams, and Moses. So in all likelihood, Christian was drafted as a guy with high athletic upside who could be turned into a potential starter at some point. But at least in the short term, I'm imagining their view was to use him as the replacement swing tackle for Inseki and see how he progressed. I mean, maybe there's some truth to the fact that Williams wasn't exactly happy with that being the pick. Like, maybe he would have rather seen them get someone else or something else to help the team. But I can't imagine that it would be that big of a deal at the end of the day. Yeah, and Russell said on his Twitter account, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people... We're talking to him about this, and uh, he said that it's just his opinion, not a report, just his opinion using common sense. So maybe maybe an issue should be taken with how it was presented, you know, because he's a guy who commonly, you know, uh, implies that he has insider information and stuff. And sometimes, you know, maybe he does have sources for some things, like uh, during the coaching turnover in the offseason. But uh, for this one, people might have coupled those two things together. Uh, but it looks like it's just an opinion, trying to put some context into the mix and try to uh, formulate an argument that might not be there. So I don't know. I, I do think, um, you know, you could you could spin it that way. But like you guys both said, you know, they kind of knew Ty and Seiki was going to leave. Getting depth at tackle is never a bad idea. And I think, you know, Trent Williams probably, he he knew that. And if, if, he, if he did take an issue with it, uh, you know, th- there might be other problems there, so I don't know. It, that's definitely an interesting topic, one that will probably be talked about more in the coming days. But so we got we got to move on. Let's go to another storyline, an under-the-radar storyline. Let's move to the defensive side of the ball. Jacob, you're intrigued about the depth in the secondary, uh, two players in particular. Yeah, so if you look at the, if you look at the Redskins secondary, there's going to be a lot of competition at the corner and safety positions because they're two of the more unsettled positions on the roster. Uh, the team has a lot of depth at corner and almost no depth at safety, uh, but you're still going to see a couple of guys entering their second year who are going to be battling for roster spots maybe a little bit sooner than a lot of people thought. Uh, Troy Apke and Adonis Alexander. Both were selected in 2018, Apke in the regular draft and um, Alexander in the supplemental draft. Apke currently is slated as the fourth safety on the roster, or at least I have him as the fourth safety on the roster. He's a super athletic dude, but we haven't seen him actually play well on defense. He was really a project player coming out. People thought the Redskins reached on him in the fourth round. Uh, even with the weakness of safety, he's going to have to prove that he can play on the field um, and that's going to be a big storyline in training camp because if he can't progress, there's a possibility a guy like Jeremy Reeves or JoJo McIntosh could overtake him. And then for Alexander, that, that cornerback room is really crowded right now. And you know that Norman Moreau, 
and uh, Quinch Dunbar are all going to make the team, obviously, and start be the th- top three guys. But beyond that, you have Greg Stroman, Dominique Rogers, Crow Marty, Alexander, Danny Johnson, and um, I'm leaving one out, Jimmy Moreland. That's it. So How do you leave out Jimmy guys. Moreland, man? Come on. I know, right? How <laughs> can I forget Jimmy Moreland? It's an unbelievable ability to get uh, interceptions. Uh, but you got five guys fighting for three spots, and though Alexander was a draft pick and they invested something in him, you know, he hasn't quite showed up in a year since being drafted by the team in the supplemental draft. So, but he still has all the tools needed to be a good corner. So those are just a couple of guys that I'm going to be on the lookout for. And I'm wondering what you guys think of them or think of what their chances are of making the roster. Yeah. If you don't mind, I'll go first. Um, I look at Adonis and, and Aki as expendable options that I think they would look to try to get on the practice squad. I believe they're still eligible. Um, if I had to to pick which one is going to be on the outside looking in, it would probably be Alexander simply for the fact that I think we have, a, you know, while some of them are still relatively unproven, we have a solid depth at corner. Whereas safety is kind of a little bit shaky. You have Collins. I know they brought in Rogers Camardi, and a lot of uh, conversation is that he's going to probably get moved back there. You have Nicholson if he can stay on the field. So, you know, you still have a lot of unanswered there because Nicholson hasn't proven that he can do it consistently week in week out Dominic Rogers Camardi who knows exactly how much he has left in the tank so I think that kind of gives Apke a little bit more of a leg up and the fact that he was a higher draft pick and is you know you know super athletic and could help on special teams so that's what I'm that's that's where I am with it um but I do think that you know there was some rumblings last year when they took Alexander that he could possibly get moved to safety and if he's you know, I don't know. We haven't heard anything about if he's been trying to do that, if he's trying to do that, if he's gotten any reps here in these early workouts they've been having. But if that is and he can kind of prove that he can fill in there and be as good or maybe a little bit better than Apke is right now, then I think that he could easily take over that spot just because he becomes more valuable at that point. Yeah, I never – me personally, I never saw the – um safety upside with Alexander like I saw it like kind of theoretically like just looking at his measurables you know he's like 6'3 so he's a long guy uh but uh, I think he ran like a 4'6 a mid 4'6 at his 40 his pro day or whatever uh and if you don't have the speed to have that range as a safety then you got to be able to compensate with quick mental processing on the field he doesn't really have that either. He's a, just a really raw guy who doesn't even have top-notch athletic traits. He's really just kind of a long guy. I think in the mold of a Josh Norman, a really good press corner, he could he could have potential. I think that's where his, the height of his potential is at. But, you know, I, I, I can't source this. Uh, I, I don't remember where I saw it, but I saw something about how he was not performing up to expectations this offseason. And, you know, even no matter what, it's going to be tough. I mean, like Jacob said, you know, you got – Dunbar, Moreau, Norman, those are the starters. And then you have Greg Stroman, who was the team's highest-graded corner on PFF last year and uh, showed some good strides, you know, really good at mirroring receivers. Jimmy Moreland, who they drafted in round seven this year, who's just got a nose for the ball. Rogers Camardi, uh, a versatile veteran. I give all those guys the nod before Alexander right now. So I think He's definitely got an uphill battle, and you got to kind of tap into that upside and kind of decide where you're going to put him. But uh, 
yeah, there's definitely uncertainty. With Apke, it's not so much immediate uncertainty, but kind of uncertainty for the future because, you know, they can't really cut him right now. They, they, can't, they can't cut the cord with this experiment this early, you know, just one year into it because he's got those athletic traits. You know, we know, you know, he's 6'1", 200. He's got good size and, you know, running as, as fast as he did with the vertical as high as he had. You know, you got to try and glean more out of that experiment. Whereas with Alexander... He never really showed that, so it's just uh, some differing circumstances. But I would definitely agree that's something to watch. Not just not just at the top of those positions, but at the bottom. The uh, Redskins secondary is just a very intriguing uh, place, a very uh, place of interest. So let's move on. Let's go back to the offense. We're switching around here. Nathan, uh, you wanted to bring up the quarterback situation because we've been talking about Dwayne Haskins and Case Keenum all off season, but you think there's a, a third guy who could factor in the mix. Yeah, I think we have just forgotten about Colt McCoy. That video came out um, of him at that NASCAR Formula One race where he's still on the crutches, and then it comes out a couple months later that he has had a slow rehab and had to go back in and get some more stuff done to his leg. But I think that this is Jay Gruden. I think everyone could agree that essentially this is Jay Gruden's lame duck year, barring some kind of, uh, announcement where they guarantee him his full contract or they extend him and I think that this is now or never time for Jake Gruden where he's going to put his foot down and try it out who he wants to try it out we all kind of just pencil in Case Keenum as a starter and Dwayne Haskins is a guy who's going to come in three or four weeks in and just kind of take over that role but I, I really think we discount if Colt McCoy comes to camp if he's eligible for camp he's healthy and he gets some preseason action that looks good and Jake Gruden feels good he might just roll him out there I think Jay Gruden has wanted him since he's gotten here. I think that Colt McCoy's never been able to, A, stay healthy, and B, opportunities haven't really been able to present themselves. Jay Gruden got here, and it was kind of, you have to play Robert Griffin, and then, you know, it was the the back and forth between the all three, and then it was kind of Colt's show, and then he hurt his neck and went back to Kirk, and Kirk kind of took over for a few years, and then the Alex Smith trade. So I think that both Gruden and... Cole McCoy, and it's been noted Cole McCoy is kind of unhappy. He doesn't feel like he's ever been given a fair shot. I think they both kind of feel that way, and I think that if he's healthy, Jerry Groom would love to kind of say, this is, you know, this is kind of, I got to save my job here, so if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down with my guy, and we just kind of just assume because it's a first-round pick and a guy who was traded and has, you know, one year removed from a really good season, I think we, we just leave Cole McCoy on the back burner, and I see some people even suggesting he might not even make the team. Yeah, yeah. Jacob, you got some thoughts about this? I'll let you go first. Yeah, um, in reference to your comment about Colt not making the team, I, I've seen some people say that. I still find that hard to believe solely because they cycled through four quarterback options last year, and a lot of people are saying, like, yeah, if you get to your third quarterback, though, you're dead in the water. But yeah. the point is, if you keep McCoy, you wouldn't be dead in the water even if he is your third quarterback because then you have – three guys who can at least win you some games if they have to start. Uh, so I think he makes the roster. I think he'll factor into the starting job. I still have him in third place in the race. Um, I, I think it's really going to come down between Haskins and Keenum. Um, but I, I wouldn't discount McCoy. Uh, I just, I'm just not sure how he's going to look at the beginning of training camp. And that injury just concerns me. Um, and, you know, if, if I'm the coaching staff there and McCoy shows even, like, a hint of not being quite 100%, I would be more apt to keep him on the bench to start the year 
just to be sure he's fully healthy when and if he's needed. Um, so that would play a role in it for me. And I just think um, Keenum and Haskins have a little bit more upside at this point. And I love McCoy as a player. He's super accurate, but he just doesn't have that downfield arm strength. Uh, but like you said, he could end up being Gruden's guy. So I wouldn't discount it. I do think it's going to be, I think it's going to be three people batting, like, battling it out for that uh, starting job. But I do have him in third place in that battle right now. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I've, um, you know, in terms of his understanding of the offense, he's got the leg up there. Um, I just I don't want people to go saying, you know, Colt McCoy is going to get the starting job because he deserves it. Because I'm, I'm not sure that's the case. Because, like, he's had opportunities. Last year, uh, when Alex Smith went down, people were like, okay, maybe we'll get an upgrade with McCoy. Maybe he'll take more risks. And uh, I was like, you know, it was me and other people, too, who were like, you know, hey, slow down there. Because he's going to take more risks. But you're going to see the costs of that as well as the benefits. And we did. We saw him against Dallas throw two touchdowns, three interceptions, uh, you know, dangerous passes up the middle. You know, he, he's a gunslinger. He'll take those chances. But uh, you're going to have some inconsistency. You're going to have some backbreaking turnovers. And uh, ultimately, I think no matter how well he understands the offense, he's the, his best role is as insurance. And, uh, you know, if – Haskins isn't coming along as as fast as he should. Start don't start him. Maybe don't throw him into the fire so early, especially if Trent Williams isn't there. You know, if the contract dispute is still going on. But um, if if McCoy isn't one hundred percent, don't force him in there either. You know, you you got Keenum who has experience. You know, I, I wouldn't defer to McCoy just because he's got the experience in the offense. You know, I think it's it's there's definitely more factors that go into it. Um. Yeah, but uh, and it's situational too. Like we, I just mentioned Williams. You know, if he's if he's not there, but if he is there, start. I say start Haskins no matter what. You know, because the best way to develop a rookie quarterback is to get those reps. You know, and I don't think starting McCoy just because he has an understanding of the offense is going to do that. You want to give Haskins the ability and the opportunities to kind of hone his understanding of the offense through in-game reps and. The best way to do that, of course, is to start him. But, um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of ways that it could play out. I don't know what you guys think about uh, Haskins in particular. Nathan, what do you think about Haskins and, you know, uh, the intricacies of his um, chances at starting? You, is it situational for you, or would you try and ease him in with Colt McCoy and Keenum, or what do you think? I really think it depends on where he's at, and I know that's kind of a bland answer, but – yeah. If, if he goes out into training camp in these preseason games and it's clear that Case Keenum is is better or Yacol McCoy is better, then I don't think you can start him, especially with that, that gauntlet they have the first few weeks. But if he goes out and he's picking everything up, and we've, we've heard mixed reports, we've heard he's looked really good days, he's looked really bad at times, and he's kind of picking stuff up but not as quickly as they want, but he still is looking good at practices. So I think if he's anywhere in the same – you know, vicinity is those guys. You got to start them, and you kind of just take the good with the bad. Uh, this team's not going to win a Super Bowl. At best, they're hoping to finish above 500 and maybe squeak into a wild card. At best, but you know, I, I think we can all look at this roster and assume that these injuries are going to happen again, and the lack of weapons they have, and probably say this is an under 500 team. So, I think if that's the case, you have nothing to lose. And and from going back to what we were talking about a little bit ago. From the Jay Gruden standpoint, if you start him from the get-go and you can see gradual improvement, that almost guarantees, yeah, you know what, we missed the playoffs and 
you know, we didn't we didn't meet our goals and this and this, but we could see from where week one is with Dwayne Haskins to week 16, 17 where he is, there's a there's a dramatic improvement. I think that kind of saves his job. So I really think yeah. it's kind of situational on what they feel is best. I personally would start him. Um, I think that what we've heard is, is good enough, and he may struggle a little bit with certain things, but, you know, you kind of get that, and he doesn't have, you know, Trent Williams there. He's not really, you know, going to let everybody go full speed. He's not up to par with everybody. So I think once you get to game action and go through training camp where everything's a little bit more intense, he'll kind of get his sea legs under him, and you kind of just trot him out. And I think the upside that you get with him is much higher than what you're going to get with Case Keenum or Colt McCoy, and I, I don't see the point in waiting unless he's just absolutely horrendous, which I can't imagine the 15th overall pick being at this stage. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's to sum it up all in one statement, you know, the it looks like the primary objective of this season is going to be to, you know, if not to win, you know, if they exceed expectations, if they don't, it's to catalyze the development of Dwayne Haskins. I don't see how sitting him for Colt McCoy does that. You know, what is starting Colt McCoy do do for you? You know, you know what he is. He's not going to help you win. And if you're not winning, you might as well have your rookie quarterback in there trying to learn on the fly, you know, trying to learn from that experience. I don't know. It's a da- it could be a dangerous philosophy. I don't know what you think about it, Jacob. Well, once upon a time, the Jacksonville Jaguars oh, yeah. selected someone oh, yeah. in the 2014 NFL draft by the name of Blake Bortles. You'll see where I'm going with this momentarily. <laughs> that was a very weird segue. But when they drafted Bortles, they had two quarterbacks on their roster come the first week of the season. It was Bortles and Chad Henney. Now, I once had a debate with someone at a blogging job I worked for, well, now five years ago at this point, where we discussed whether or not Bortles should start week one. And my argument was that Bortles at that point in time was better than Chad Henney could be or could ever be. So even if he's equal to Henney, Bortles should start because he'll have the potential to develop. Now, that didn't happen with Blake Bortles. But the point still stands for Dwayne Haskins. He's got these two veteran quarterbacks here who we know can be solid, can fill in, can win some games. Uh, Keenum can even be a really like a, a solid low-end starter for the entirety of a season, as we've seen. And he can lead a very stacked team like the Vikings to the NFC Championship game. Now the question becomes, as you referenced earlier, Nathan, how will they all look in training camp? Now if Haskins doesn't look ready at the start for the start of the season and he struggles a bit in training camp in the preseason, then I'm all for sitting him for maybe a month or two, seeing what Keenum can do as the starter. And, you know, if Keenum can't light the fire under the team and they are kind of like hovering around 500 or worse, then you throw Haskins in, give him a chance to develop over that last course of games. But uh, I've always maintained that you should – Weigh whether or not the quarterback, the rookie quarterback, is a better option than what you already have before throwing him in there. And if you have two known commodities, there's a good chance that he could be better than them at the very least. So personally, I'd like to see Haskins start early in the season. Um, at, at the latest, I would like to see him start week five. Uh, personally, I think I'd like to see him start week one, though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you spent a first-round pick on the guy. you got to see... How, what he can do and you've got to try and catalyze that development as quickly as possible <clears throat> and he's shown in training camp you know that he has the you know I wasn't super high on his physical potential uh in the draft season I thought he had good not great arm talent but he can certainly he has the accuracy 
you know, uh, more than Case Keenum and Colt McCoy. And he showed that in, in uh, training camp and, or not training camp, mini camp and OTAs and stuff. So if he continues to show that, you know, I don't think there's any reason not to unless Trent Williams is not out there. So definitely, and we could go on all day with this quarterback discussion. It's fun because you got Haskins, the first round rookie. You got Case Keenum, the uh, the journeyman who's got experience. You know, he can he can help, you know, kind of lift their floor. Uh, the ceiling is still low with him. And then you've got Colt McCoy who's just always waiting for his opportunity. And uh, we don't know if he's ever going to get it. We don't know if he deserves it at this point. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see which sword Gruden falls on because his job could be on the line for sure. Yeah, you, you say that. And yeah. it, another thing to look at with the Gruden aspect of it is, do you really want your first-round quarterback to, in two years, have two new coaches, two new schemes, have to learn a whole new playbook and all that? So the earlier you kind of get him out there and see where he's at and see where Jay Gruden can get him by year's end, I think the better because otherwise you're just going to set him back you know, another year and – you know, the next year, do we do we just trot him out again because it's year two, even though it's a whole new system and it's like being a rookie all over? Or how do we go about it? I think that, you know, a lot of his development kind of depends on how soon he starts and if Jay Gruden stays. So I think the sooner you get those two working together in real game action, I think the better it's going to be for both parties, whether it is in everybody's best interest to relieve Jay Gruden of his duties and kind of go a separate way, or if it's, you know, Haskins and Gruden could have something, a real connection and a real, real good vibe going and kind of develop together yeah yeah and going off of that a little bit having kevin o'connell in the system right now is kind of a good security blanket for that just going off of videos that uh, have been on the redskins site and everything from minicamp and stuff o'connell has been very active uh in practices with with haskins he's been up front hands-on with them you know always talking with the kid and uh you know you got to think if gruden doesn't make it through the season they're going to have a quick transition plan with that offensive coordinator. So it looks like they've prepared to an extent, uh, but still it's really hard to see how it's going to play out at this point. And, you know, there might be a guy, you know, Snyder want, might want to start Haskins right out of the gate. Gruden might want to ease him in and give his golden boy, Colt McCoy, the, uh, the keys to the car. So we'll see what happens, man. It's exciting. It's exciting. We're almost at a time. And I haven't, I've been irresponsible and haven't uh, given a storyline of my own yet. So I'm going to go on the spot here. Trey Quinn season is coming. Uh, we thought it was coming last year. It did not, unfortunately. He went on injury reserve twice, uh, which is impressive. Usually players only go on injury reserve once. He went on it twice last year. So, uh, you know, that's that's Trey Quinn for you, though. He, he's just always going above and beyond. And uh, this season, he is in line to be the starting slot receiver. And, uh, guys, I don't want to. I don't want to act like Ike Hilliard's word is the gospel because uh, you, you can make a serious case that he's not the right guy to be the team's wide receivers coach, but uh, he went on the record recently saying that Trey Quinn was just a guy who knew how to play. You know, He was gushing about Quinn, and uh, everyone's talking about his ability to catch contested passes and you know his route running savvy and just his attitude and you know just very gritty. I, I hate using that word because that's the cliche word, but I just used it. Uh, automatically, I'm sorry, guys, I couldn't help it, but Trey Quinn, I'm excited for it, guys. I'm legitimately excited. It's not just satire anymore. You know, you can tell he he has some potential. I'm excited to see not just Quinn, but this whole receiving core in general, because it's kind of a receiving core that's relegated as one of the worst in the league. But there's definite potential there, and uh, I'm I'm interested to see what happens. Yeah, no, I think if Trey Quinn can stay healthy, I think he's going to be one of the bright spots on this offense this year. 
you got nobody on this team. You got a young quarterback who probably has the biggest arm out of all the quarterbacks on the team in Haskins, who if he does whenever he gets in there, he's gonna have to rely on his check down options a lot, his kind of guy over the middle there and Trey Quinn, so that's a boost for Quinn. And then the other guys, like we said, they don't have, you know, cannon arms, so they're not gonna be throwing it thirty, forty yards down the field to Paul Richardson. So enter Trey Quinn. I think that he's primed that if he can stay healthy, he's gonna just automatically be penciled in as one of the best, if not the best, weapon on this offense. Depends on where Reed is and Geis and Peterson and Thompson, all them, kind of how their roles play out. But I think Trey Quinn has, is on the fast track to being one of the the better players for this offense this year, and I'm excited for it too. I mean, he was Mr. Relevant, and I know everybody kind of crowned him the GOAT right away, Trey Quinn season, the scar and all that stuff. But, you know, he, ha- he led the nation in catches at SMU. That doesn't happen by accident. The kid can play. I think he's going to be huge, and I think that while what Jameson Crowder, when he's right, what he gives you all around is going to be hard to kind of just, you know, fill in and and replace, I think Trey Quinn is in a spot where he can definitely help minimize that impact of losing Crowder. Yeah, yeah, and Terry McLaurin, Calvin Harmon, a lot of young pieces to be excited about uh, in that receiving court. And we'll we'll have to see. You know, rarely do they all reach their full potential. But uh, the opportunity is there for them, you know. Not a, Cam Sims too. Can't forget about Cam Sims. He's another guy who's kind of trying to get into that battle. Can't deny a lot of uncertainty. No one proven yet, but they have the traits to do it. So we'll have to see what happens. Unfortunately, guys, we are out of time. If we missed any storylines that you were hoping to hear about, let us know in the comments, and uh, maybe me or Jacob will reply to you, and we can talk it out. But uh, for now, we are out of time. Uh, we'll be back with another podcast shortly uh schedule is tentative tbd but we'll be back don't worry uh in the meantime peace out have a good night